in three, two, one. What is up, everybody? You're listening to The Real Spicy Podcast. My name is Gil Pedro, and this week we have, we have an incredible person. Uh, I, I, I kind of did a little bit of creeping and stalking, and I'm like, yo, let me figure out what this guy has been doing, because I only know him from, from it started off as, as a viral video, met him in person, and I'm like, wait, aren't you the guy from the video? But this guy has worked, and correct me, um, once, once I give you this intro, so uh, NBC, uh, Telemundo, uh, and now you are uh, working for a second division soccer team. Um, we got Harry in the building. Yo, what is, it, what is up, bro? What's up, Gil? Good talking to you, brother. How's everything? Good, man. Can't complain. Did I kind of get that right? I was like, well, Telemundo is part of NBC. Fuck it. NBC it is, because like a lot of people, probably the viewers and, and the listeners know what NBC is, uh, but Telemundo, yeah. you know, very few, even though, you know, you and I might be Hispanic, I come to realize that even Hispanics, new age Hispanics, they don't know what the hell Telemundo is, uh, but everybody knows NBC. But did I get that correct? Because you've been in El Paso yeah, so, and Vegas, correct? So here in the States, Vegas, I came over due to Telemundo, working with them, uh, Spanish newscasts, uh, doing their sports. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, I was in El Paso, Texas for four and a half years with the competition with Univision, Univision. Uh -huh. And before that, I started up in Mexico in my parents' hometown of Torreón, Coahuila and Televisa, which is the biggest TV network in Mexico. So if, I've been lucky enough to work in three big TV stations out here in the, in the northern part of the hemisphere. So, so it's been it's been a wild ride and now it's I'm in my second year working the pro soccer team and now instead of reporting on tons of different teams now I'm just reporting on one and it's it's different it's been a wild ride but one that I've definitely enjoyed absolutely dang man that's incredible yeah Televisa that is I mean to compare it to 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 the U.S. I, I would say uh, here in the U.S. there's there's multiple companies but I I, I think I and mean, correct me if I'm wrong Televisa would be the combination uh, because it's so big. The monstrosity that this 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 company is. I think you could combine ABC, NBC, and CBS, and that combined together would probably be the equivalent of Televisa in Mexico. Am I kind of correct on that? One hundred percent correct, man. So out there in Mexico, there's two big TV stations over the air: mm -hmm. TV Azteca and Televisa. Televisa being the number one, TV Azteca being, let's say, the one A or the one B. Okay. But Televisa is the big network. They got all the big telenovelas. They got uh, sports network. They got uh, movie networks on cable. They got alternative movie channels like MTVs, but called Telehit. They got huge, huge, huge networks out there. And they're the ones that control professional soccer out there. They got the Mexican national team. Yeah. They got everything. So when I was working with them, it was pretty cool that I was able to travel to practically – uh, I would say probably visited 10 times in Mexico uh, covering okay. the, the team from the city I was I was in. So Santos Laguna was a team there, but I was able to go to stadiums like the both in Monterrey, El, Tec, uh, El Universitario, mm -hmm. uh, Guadalajara, Cornec, uh, Estadio Jalisco, Estadio Omni Life, Mexico City, Estadio Azul, Estadio Azteca. Victoria. I was able to visit a lot of stadiums and I was actually going now that I got a little more time in our hands with quarantine I was checking out some old school photos and I was like damn I put a lot of miles in for this and it's been a pretty cool ride but that Televisa is definitely like ABC, CBS and Fox all mixed in one all in one that's how big it is in mexico that's incredible you know so um as you know um my podcast is is and i try to focus on the real people you know at the end of the day celebrities they're all real people but sometimes you don't you don't you might not know their struggles or their successes and that's exactly what this podcast is about real people giving their opinions uh about uh about real struggles real success and i want to know one um we're gonna we, we're this week, we're going to talk about your success and, and your struggles, because let's be honest, your success probably had a lot of failures on the way. Uh, but what got you in, into one into because what you do now is a combination of audiovisual integrative marketing communication as well. But what got you into becoming uh, a news reporter, a news anchor, uh, sports and just all that good stuff, like the first step? Did you go to school? Because uh, you said you started in Mexico. So in Mexico, did you go to school uh, to do what you're doing now? 
So here's the funny part. I, um, with my family, we used to have a big hardware store in Torreon. Mm-hmm. And that was my life. My life was, since I was in high school, it was going to high school. And then once the day was over, going to the business and helping out my mom and being there the whole day, doing homework on the side, then going home and then doing homework and everything. When I went to college, I opened up my own side business within the business, uh, selling uh, oil for cars, uh, anything that you would need to fix a car, people would go over to, to my store to buy it. So uh-huh. while I was studying to be an accountant, Whoa. people would go into my store and buy stuff, but I, same deal, in the morning school and the afternoon work. Yeah. So in the afternoons while I was in the business, I would always listen to radio shows. And I would always like, first i remember clearly it was like at 2 p.m it was a national radio show at 3 p.m it was a local show 4 p.m and 5 p.m two more national radio shows that i would always listen to for sports because i always love sports Mm -hmm. and in the local radio show they had this thing that was very new back then that you could actually text in instead of calling in yeah so i was like hey you know what i'll text in it's super easy so they would talk about soccer almost all the time but then when they would talk about nba mlb nfl they weren't that great so i would text in and one day i actually texted in and told them it's like hey you know what you guys talk about santos and mexican soccer and everything when you talk about baseball and basketball and football you guys need some help you should bring me in okay and the main anchor who's a great friend of mine now and he's with fox sports in mexico gustavo dosa he was like, hey, you think you're great? Come in, dude. I was like, oh, crap. All right. So one Wednesday, I just went in, started talking with them, and they were like, hey, can you come in next Wednesday? Can you come in next Wednesday? And then Gustavo mm-hmm. ended up going to Venezuela, I think, for the Copa America yeah. with Fox. And they're like, hey, Gustavo's out. Can you come another day? And I'm like, hey, I got my business going on. I can just come in two days. So I started going like Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. And that's how the ball started rolling. And then my vacations were over, and I was like, shit, crap, uh, back to school. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, uh, hey, I can only come today. So that's how it just started rolling. I was doing, like, stats on TV for the pro basketball league uh, on the side. Mm-hmm. That was my side hustle. I loved going to the basketball games. And one day I would just I, – I don't even remember how I got it. I started doing stats. And the guy from that TV station told me, it's like, hey, can you come in and do a casting? I went in the casting, nothing came out of it. But in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, Multimedios, they asked me to do a casting. That's pretty cool. And I told it to the radio guy, and he's like, hey, wait, no. We lost a guy from our TV station. Want to do a casting for us? I'm like, sure. Yeah. Went in, did a casting, and I still remember to this day, December 12, 2008. The first day I stepped into a, a TV station as an intern, he told me, he's like, hey, we don't have a job right now, but I can get you in as an intern. And then whatever happens, happens. I'm like, all right, sure. So Holy uh, crap. Okay. Out of nowhere, I just started from being in radio as a guest to then mm-hmm. being in a TV station as an intern. And that was, I remember it was December. Mm-hmm. And then like a week and a half later, the sports anchor, she called in sick and they didn't have to do sports. And I was asking, like, hey, can you do sports? I'm uh yeah sure all right there's a shirt and a suit in there in the in the dressing room where you're you're on in 10 minutes i'm like uh all right okay they they already had like a suit ready for like last minute emergencies it was like a backup suit dude it was like (laughs) hey we ever have an emergency there's a suit in there so i ended up wearing it and it's been almost 12 years since and i'm still in sports so it's just been it's been a dream Uh, That's incredible. Wow. You know, it went from uh, a small uh, pop, small mom and pop shop to your own uh, small business, uh, to a radio station, to a TV station in Mexico. Holy, wow. I can't believe that. You know, you know, a lot of people, especially nowadays, I I think uh, this generation, they assume that sometimes if you have this game plan, okay, you know, when I graduate high school, I'm going to, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to pursue this major. Once I'm done, I'll be 21 because I have a degree. I am going to get this job. Who, let me tell you, I think that is a common misconception just because you go to school. Unfortunately, I wish it was that easy, but it's not, you know, you went to school for accounting and then 
everything went and did a 360 and now you're doing this for the best, not for the better, not for the worst. You know, yours was, you know, for me, my experience, you know, I went to school and I'm like, all right, cool. I got two bachelor's degrees. Um, come at me. You know, I'm going to get a good job. You know, I applied for And I tell this story all the time. I applied for 83 jobs right out of college. Wow. 83. I never forget that number. And it's never changed. 83. Out of those 83, I would say I got roughly about uh, 20, 22, 23 interviews. Um, for sure, 17 denials. The other ones, uh, some of them weren't, I didn't get anything. Um, but for sure, I got three, three offers. And, uh, but sometimes, hey, man, you gotta, you gotta fake it till you make it, but you also gotta give your 100%. And I think that's exactly what you gave, you know, slowly but surely. But you also knew your talent, you know, at the end of the day, people don't know their talent and your talent was easy. It was sports. Uh, I mean, just looking at you, uh, looking at your background, your sports, you're a sports guy. Um, so for those that are, are not watching right now, uh, Harry has on and correct me if I'm wrong. So you got a Dodgers um, baseball jersey and above you, you have the Brooklyn Dodgers hat. Am I right? So this is actually also a Brooklyn Dodgers jersey. It's uh, really, Duke, um, yeah, it's 1956 uh, throwback. Uh, oh wow! But yeah, I'm I'm a huge sports fan, and I just wanted to add up to what you had already said about following your dreams and everything. Yeah, I quit on mine. I started going into accounting because I was like, okay, I got my own business, mm -hmm. and honestly, there's no chance in hell that I'm going to become a sportscaster. So mm -hmm. why go study journalism? If I'm not going to be able to get the job of my dreams, so I'm just going to go and study accounting. Yeah. So, but life works that way. I don't know if you're religious or not, but I was like, hey, my mom has always been like, hey, God had a plan for you. Absolutely. I didn't think it was going to be, become a reality and bam, there it happened. It's like without even planning it, mm -hmm. it ended up happening. And journalism school is great. Yeah. But the most important lessons that you're going to learn, you're going to learn them being at a TV station, being at a radio station, being at a, at a magazine that any media outlet that you can get. Always tell, I've been able to work with a lot of interns because of my, mm -hmm. the positions I've had in the past. And yeah. they're like, Hey, what's your best advice you can give me? And yeah. I'm always like, Hey, look for any internship you can get and get in there. It's absolutely, of course, it's important who you are, how you do it, how hard you work. Yeah. Uh, but also, it's very important who you know. So that's how, for me, it's always been like the people that you get to meet through relationships at work, relationships out on the field, uh, getting to know newscasters from other stations, sports anchors from other stations, uh, reporters from newspapers, and all those kind of people. It's very important. So that's what I always tell interns. It's like hey, mm -hmm. that are studying journalism, that that's why they end up working with me either with the TV stations I used to work with, the radio yeah. stations I used to work with, or the new soccer team I'm with. They're like, what should I do? I'm like, dude, get yourself out there, work and meet as many people as you can and help anybody that you can. And they'll always keep in the back of your mind. It's like, hey, I remember Gil. Hey, I remember Harry. And yeah. get their numbers and don't be, like for example, when you start off in your first internship ever and you're at a TV station and you're like, <gasps> That's Gil from the newscast. It's like, yeah. don't be the fanboy. Be like the, hey, how you doing? I'm Harry. How can I help you? What can I yeah. do for you? What can I and be helpful? And then it's like, of course, you see someone that you only seen on the news or in a TV show and you get shocked. But it's like, hey, just be cordial. Don't be that fan that you are and yeah. be helpful. And they'll remember that. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's sometimes, I mean, it, it is all right to be a fan and, 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 and this is coming from, from, I think my personal experience and yours, because, and we'll get into it because you and I are big wrestling fans. Um, and you understatement. had, under, definitely <laughs> understatement. Uh, and in our experiences, I mean, we've gotten to, to, to meet uh, either wrestlers and it, we can, we can go one of two ways. One, I'm a huge fan, blah, blah, blah. Yo, they got thousands, 10,000 fans they already know that you're the biggest fan. But they were like, hey, uh, big fan, good job out there. They, you know what, at the end of the day, I've noticed that these people, they prefer that. 
Um, yeah. It's just keep it normal. Hey, good job out there. Can I have an autograph? Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful day. Um, because I think the biggest, the biggest issue right now, and just it's always been like that. I mean, think about the Beatles. Girls would go crazy about them. You got Elvis, you know, who would shake his hips. The women would go crazy for that. They went beyond fandom. I mean, it, I mean, those times it was scary how it was. But I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's still scary for a lot of these people because they're just re they're still real people. And I and that's the the, the message that I always want to hit. At the end of the day, everyone, regardless of what you where you're at, what you do, uh, if you're a celebrity, whether you have this amazing job, you're still a real person. You still go back to um, to your house. You still go back to having these issues. Uh, but see, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can't control where you're at because hard work and dedication got you to, to that point. Uh, but, uh, talking about like celebrities and, and being real people with this industry that you have been in, you've met incredible, uh, celebrities, uh, I guess you can call them, whether some of them are celebrities, athletes, whatever they may be, you've met some incredible ones. Um, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep the ones in Mexico for now because we have to transition to the US. But in Mexico, at that time that you were still in Mexico, what were the biggest celebrities that you met? They're like, holy crap, I, I think I made it. Like these are the people that I've looked up to. And to, it can be just to you, not to the world, uh, yeah. but to you. Who are the people that you were just like, it's really hard for me to like keep it in as far as like my fanboy, but I have to be professional. But who are those people that it was just very difficult for you to just keep it in? So when I got into TV, I was a huge Santos Laguna fan. Like I was mm -hmm. there at every game. I was a season ticket holder. Yeah. I would get to the stadium two and a half hours before the games, buy a lunch outside, get to, uh, an agua de limon, walk yeah. in two hours before the game. I would always be already in my seat talking with the people around me that were the same season ticket holders every game. Yeah. Eating, having a good time and everything. So I was a fan. Yeah. And then I got into TV and it was like, instead of watching the news and seeing what happened in the training sessions, I was actually at the training sessions. I was actually the one interviewing the coaches, the players, everybody, the fans. So it was like, it was a full 360, but going from a fan to a new uh, sports reporter, it was like, okay, complete change. I can't be that fanboy. Remember like, I ended up having a very good relationship with the goalkeepers of Santos Laguna and the Mexican national team, Osvaldo Sanchez, um, the forward of that team as well, Matias Bozo, who was also with the Mexican national team. Yeah. Uh, was a right wing guy, Guti Estrada, Fernando Ortiz. Almost most of that guys I ended up hanging out with outside of the soccer world, either at a party yeah. or just having their – how. So I'm going to tell the story. Gustavo Mendoza, who's the guy that got me in, mm -hmm. he, he ended up being like my godfather in the business. Yeah. So people knew that because they were talking with me, they were talking with Gustavo's guy. So it was like, okay. So they trusted me. They would give me their phone and I would be like, hey, can you come into this studio and do an interview? When? Oh, tonight at nine. Yeah, sure. I'm not busy. And 8.45, they would roll up. I'd open the door. Come on in, guys. Take them into the studio. And the team sometimes didn't like that. Mm -hmm. But that's the way it's like, hey, I know I'm not going to get the interview through the team, so I'll get the directly with the guys. And they would come in and do an interview. So yeah, I would have the players get, that I used to root for, that I celebrate their goal, their big saves or anything, yeah. I, would, I would have their contact information. Like I have your phone on my phone. Your yeah. phone number. That's how I used to have their phone numbers uh, in Mexico. Nextel was big back then. So it's yeah. like send an alert and then talk like if it was a walkie talkie and all that. So, so it was pretty cool. But yeah. like the big ones that I remember, Osvaldo Sanchez, who was a Mexican icon in yeah. soccer and goalkeeping. Uh, Matias Bozo, Ivan Estrada, Chucho Benitas, rest in peace. Yes. Uh, all those yeah. guys from that Santos team. Yeah. Former, former Colombian soccer player, right? Ecuador. You were close. Oh, I was close. Oh, ooh. I mean, in my head, I was like, okay, I put the flags. Okay. What flag It's the was same that? colors. It's the very same color scheme, but there's, there's a, there's a, there's a obvious, uh, difference, which I believe it's the stars. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Ecuadorian. Oh, rest in peace. And I do remember cause he ended up playing for, um, Your Santos team, and then uh, Club America. And he was scheduled. Oh, I remember that game. America came here and, um, I, I believe he died. I, 
about a few weeks before he was scheduled to come here. And uh, me and my dad were like, oh, we're going we're gonna to see this guy. We're not going to meet him, but we're going to see this guy. And we heard about the news about three weeks before that soccer game here in the U.S. Oh, I was so bummed. Uh, but, you know, he kind of puts into perspective that, uh, you know, no matter how healthy you are, anything can happen. Unfortunately, I believe he had a heart attack. Um, I mean, and if anyone knows about soccer, I mean, you have to be in tip-top shape. Just like, oh, I'm in shape. You know, you have to be an elite this is to be part of these soccer teams you are the elite of the elites that's how I yeah. would always look at it I think any sport in general yeah high performance is what yes. they call it that you got to be yeah you're in shape but they're in even more shape if you want to put it that way and, and the yeah. high performance kind of shape of your, that body so yeah it was so those were some of the guys that I that I remember but like mm -hmm. back then it was like uh, Cristian Mijares, the boxer, mm -hmm. uh, he uh, three-time world champion, I think, and uh, same thing. We're great friends, and yeah, every once in a while, I still, we don't talk right now, like yeah, you and I. That I just text him, but if I post something on Instagram, I always see his like or same oh, thing. That's awesome. If you post something yeah. on Instagram, you, I always like it. If I post a comment, he replies. We're friends on Facebook and everything, so it's like it's good relationships that go from back then mm -hmm. covering him as world championship fights, going out. It's always like cool relationships from the past that if I ever go, when I go back to Mexico, mm -hmm. we always hang out. Same thing. People, like you said, the athletes, the celebrities aren't just that they're people as well. So for me, yeah. they went from being athletes, celebrities to being people. So for me, yeah. it's like seeing them, seeing my former coworkers, seeing mm -hmm. my friends out there in Mexico family. It's just cool being able to go back there, but yeah, it's a, it was an unreal experience. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. I mean, it seems like you so the, the the theme for today is gonna be it's gonna be sports because so far uh, your 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 the people that you were so excited to meet were part of the soccer team and Santos Laguna. I, I forgot to explain. You hear Santos Laguna? What the hell is Santos Laguna? Um, so Santos Laguna is is a is a very popular team in in what city? Do you know what's the city over? Tor it's Torreon. So it's northern Mexico. It's uh -huh. like three hours west of Monterrey, which is the biggest city close to it. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a very famous uh, soccer team in the first division of soccer. Um, but this is the, the, the transition that I want to make. Um, what was your, your transition to the U.S.? So you had all these years in Mexico. How was that transition going to the U.S.? Uh, how did it come about? Was it, was it a difficult transition? Uh, did you have to get like a working visa? Were you a resident? How did that work? So I'm actually born in Los Angeles. So I'm an American citizen. Yeah. And we went to Mexico because my mom thought it was like, oh, when I, I'm the oldest of three, I got two younger sisters. Mm -hmm. And when I was about to go into middle school, she's, she was like, hey, I don't trust the education system out here in the States. There's gangs, there's violence. She's like, I'm taking my kids to Mexico. So yeah. we moved with me and my mom to Mexico. Funny thing is 12 years later, my sisters and my mom moved back to the States with my dad because of the insecurity in Mexico. There's violence, uh, drug violence and everything. And I was yeah. like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to stay another year because I'm going to stay because I got a good job. I'm enjoying life. Yeah. I'm good. A coworker gets kidnapped by a drug cartel in Mexico. Whoa. So it went from being like great job, very happy to then it's like one of our guys got kidnapped with three other uh, journalist mm -hmm. and it's like TV station I'm, I roll in at 6 in the morning for the 6.30 newscast and there's cops at the entrance at first they're like hey we need to see your ID we need to see your working badge we need to see everything it just went from everyday life to then having yeah. security not security cops federal police at the door Yeah. eventually after a couple of weeks they're like oh we recognize you go in no problem yeah but it's like, it got tough. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to change course. I'm going to go. I don't feel safe out here. Yeah. I'm going to move back to the States. So I moved back to the States with my family. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of months, I ended up finding that job in El Paso, which was slam dunk because they were looking for a play-by-play -play announcer for basketball in Spanish yeah. and a sportscaster in that TV station. So mm -hmm. I was like, actually called games in Mexico and send them mm -hmm. a demo. And they were like, Hey, you know what? We like you come on in. So went did an interview, mm -hmm. the job on the spot, 
a month later, I'm there working. And I also ended up getting, getting the gig of play-by-play in Spanish for football. Mm-hmm. So it ended up being four and a half years of my life in El Paso that some of the best times in my life. And uh, you said college football, right? Yes, college football, college University football. of Texas at El Paso. So oh, okay. UTEP is the way it's called. And UNLV beat them. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, but mm. they came in here and uh, played the Rebels at Sam Boyd. Yes, yes. Wow, that that's uh, I I'm, to be honest, I was not expecting that. I'm like, I was expecting you like, no, I want some, I wanted something new in my life. I wanted uh, I was not expecting. Yeah, my coworkers kidnapped. That <laughs> that took a complete 360. But you know, that is the reality of, of um, of of countries like that. You know, it, 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 right now it's it's not as bad. You know. But there, it had its moments, just like Colombia. You know, Colombia at one point was one of the dangerous cities. Now, I mean, when you mention their history, they get offended. Like, we're not like that anymore. That's not even an issue. It's, it's they've completely changed, and that's how Mexico is, uh, in my opinion. Um, yes, there's there's a couple bad areas here and there, but let's be honest, every area and every country will have a couple a couple bad areas. I mean, here, you know, we're right now we're we're in Las Vegas. Uh, when we talk about Northtown, you can you can make the assumption that the entire city of, of North Las Vegas is horrible. But no, it's just, honestly, it's just a very small pocket. That is not the greatest. Uh, but so you landed in El Paso. You're doing play-by-play commentary uh, for, for UTEMP. You're working at this new station. Uh, how did you get your foot, your foot in the door um, in, in, in El Paso? Was it a hard transition going from talking in Spanish to full on? Oh, no, because you did play-by-play in Spanish, right? Yep. Okay. So what, what, was it a difficult transition? Because it's a different audience. Just because it's Spanish, it's the same Spanish, but it's a different audience. Over there, did you have to be a little bit more animated here, more monotone? Did you change anything about the way that you talked about sports? So I've always been that guy that is over the top. In uh-huh. Mexico, in Torreón, there was a moment where I was doing the news the 6 a.m. newscast I was talking about that started at mm-hmm. 6.30 and ran all the way through 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. I was doing that one. And then I was going out on the field and reporting. And then I was mm-hmm. coming back to the station to do the 1 p.m. newscast. And then I was coming back to the station at night to do the 9 p.m. newscast and the 9.30 p.m. sports show. Yeah. And then preparing the newscast for the next morning. So from 10 to 1, I was there getting all the videos and all the text together for the next morning. So it was like, I was sleeping three, four hours a day, but there wasn't anybody else to do the other newscast. So mm. I was working like crazy. Yeah. And then when I, but, but I always had one thing that stayed straight. It was like, I was always over the top. I wasn't just a guy that was reading, uh, Phil Revolorio scored 17 points. He had three rebounds and one assist. He was called the yeah. player of the game. I was like, no, what a performance by Gil Revolorio, who had a total of 17 points. He outworked the other players on the paint. He had 17 rebounds, and he had amazing performance dishing out to other teammates with five assists. Like, I was always, like, energetic, and yeah. I was always over the top, so people would remind me that, remember me that way. Yeah. So when I went to El Paso, it was the same thing. I was like, hey, if it's basketball – if it's football or if it's soccer, I'm always going to be the same person and mm-hmm. I'm going to go over the top. And the good thing there was instead of working at six in the morning, I was coming in at two 30 in the afternoon. Okay. I gave you a little bit more time. So, or no, sorry. One 30, one 30 okay. in the afternoon. So I was like, I can wake up at 9.00 AM. That's yeah. awesome. Of course I'm in. And yeah. of course there were days that were long days, but it was always like, you're supposed to be there eight hours plus your lunch hour, but I would mm-hmm. always work 10, 12 hours, but I would still get my eight hours of sleep. So, oh, absolutely. And, but, and, but it was a good transition. Yeah. And I love how I know you and, and, and I mean, I forgot, I should have introduced you. He's like kind of like a fighter pound for pound, one of the hardest working <laughs> men in the industry, because what I know you, you're the guy who gets there early in the morning. And then sometimes from what I see on social media, it's like nine o'clock at night and you're still in, in the studio, obviously in a different pers- uh, perspective now, but you're always in the editing videos, editing uh, social media release, press releases. You're still going at way beyond the eight hours. And, and that worth ethic, I think, has to be recognized 
Because to get to where you want in life, you have to put in. And I know, trust me, I know it sucks, you know, uh, working more than they are. like, this is not going to get me anywhere. But look where it got you. I mean, you've had incredible uh, success meeting people that you at one point looked up to and like, oh, I, you know, I'll never get to meet them. Too. Yeah, what's up, man? You know, what's up, bro? What's up, Waldo? You know, it became, it became that. But in the past, now we're, we're, we're talking about El Paso. Did you meet anybody over there that, uh, that you were, again, another fanboy? Because El Paso, uh, I know El Paso, because remember, my, my world is just when it's to uh, sport. I only know two things. Soccer. Uh-oh. I don't know why I choked up a little bit. So it's soccer and wrestling. Uh, wrestling and is, is huge. I mean, we have, I say we as if I was Paso. And El Paso is one of the most famous families of Mexico, El Paso, which is the Guerrero family. Um, at, back in the day, so I don't know when you were there, but back in the day, years ago, they used to have a wrestling school. But also that, that border uh, right uh, across the border, which is a small promotion there. They have wrestling shows there, wrestling shows in, in El Paso. Is that how you made that transition? Obviously, I know you've liked wrestling, but was wrestling big in, in El Paso or was it more of a college town? Uh, because one, you're in America and you were doing UTEP. Or how was that when it came to sports? What was the big it's, sport? It's a little bit of everything. Remember this, when I went to El Paso to do my interview, mm -hmm. uh, and I ended up getting the job. I went online and I was like, please tell me WWE is going to be in town soon. Yeah. They were going to be there the next day after my interview when I had already flown out. I was like, ah. I was like, can they postpone a month and a half? That way I would be there working in the media and asking yeah. for interviews and everything. And I was like, all right, whatever. In the four and a half years I was in El Paso, they were never in town to wrestle in El Paso. They would run shows in Las Cruces, which was mm -hmm. a city that was – 30, 40 minutes away from El Paso because they would okay. get a better deal with that building. Yeah. So it would suck, but I would always make that 30, 40 minute drive. And uh, the funny part is Las Cruces doesn't have an airport that has flights coming in from everywhere. Yeah. So the buses would fly into El Paso. But um, no, the, the borderland, they, they're huge with UTEP, even though they've been terrible the last couple of years. They, yeah. were, per, they were decent when I was there, um, both the football and the men's basketball team. Uh, they got a triple-A baseball team, the Chihuahuas, which is very, very big there. Yeah. And recently, last year, they debuted their USL team, which is the same second division soccer that is out here in mm -hmm. Las Vegas. They also yeah. got it out there in, in El Paso now. So they got those teams, but wrestling has always been special. It has a place in that, in that city. Yeah. And um, like me, I'm an American citizen, so I could just cross the border walking – from El Paso to Juarez and go to yeah. wrestling shows in Ciudad Juarez and then just walk back and drive to, to my house and call it a day. But yeah. wrestling is huge out there. And I'll bring up this story because we're talking about it. Vicky mm -hmm. Guerrero and her daughter, Shaw, they were one mm -hmm. day in the studio, in the radio studio doing an interview. And the radio host who's a great friend of mine, Victor Cruz. He calls me. He's like, Hey, Vicky Guerrero's in. You want to come down and say hello? Of course. So I yeah. drive down to the station. It was when she was back when, with Dolph Ziggler. So yeah. I wore my, my Dolph Ziggler shirt, took a picture yeah. with her and with Shaw. Very cool people. And Vicky, same thing as with other personalities I was talking about. Yeah. We're friends on Facebook. We follow each other on Instagram. We like each other's stuff. They're cool people. And they they remember us. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the guy that was there for my interview. And, oh, yeah, he's a friend. So, okay, he's a cool guy. And yeah, the, those relationships. And Absolutely. You never have that label as – just the fan from El Paso. They, I love it how everything goes back to like, oh yeah, that's Harry. Uh, um, the guy who worked in El Paso, there's always a name to it. And that's, I, again, I go, go back to it. At the end of the day, these people are people. Uh, you don't always have to be a fan. Uh, it, it, they appreciate the fact that you're not just a Harry. Who happens to be a fan, but you're still first and foremost, you're Harry. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and I also got lucky with my parents naming me harry it's kind mm -hmm. of an easy name to remember if i were juan jose or pedro oh. which, which are very popular in mexican culture i'd yeah. be screwed but harry which i hated for a long time i was actually hey you know what it's pretty unique uh harry in english harry in spanish yeah it's a name that not a lot of people have so i'm like hey you know what 
I'm okay with it. So awesome. uh, I'll bring up another wrestling story if you're okay yeah, with it. Absolutely. So, go for it. So I'm a good friend with the former WWE superstar Sin Cara. Yes. Also from El Paso. Yeah. What's and, his new name now? It's called Cinta de Oro, right? Cinta de Oro. Yeah. In, in memory of a huge wrestler in the, in the past, uh, Cinta de Oro from Ciudad Juarez. He was a huge yeah. fan. He passed away, I want to say, two, three years ago. Okay. So Sin Cara is using, using that name right now. Uh, yeah. Cinta de Oro. So I was a huge Sasha Banks fan from the time she had that match with, uh, with Bailey in uh-huh. NXT TakeOver. Yeah. I was like, dude, she's so awesome. And I went to WrestleMania in Dallas to cover the event when she wrestled Charlotte and uh, Becky Lynch yeah. for the new Raw Women's title and everything. And a month yeah. later, they were in El Paso. They, they, they came in for the show Las Cruces. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? When they announced uh, Becky and Sasha as part of the superstars that were going to wrestle in the show, yeah, I had also I had stuff. Uh, should be somewhere around here. The legit boss stuff and the glasses oh, wow. and everything. Yes. When I announced it on TV, I actually like they came back with the camera on us on the in the studio, and I put the glasses and I put the chain. I was like, "Hey, I want to invite Sasha Banks if she wants to come out to have Chico's Tacos out here in El Paso was Eddie's favorite Eddie's favorite place to eat, and Eddie's yeah. she he was. Sasha's favorite wrestler. Absolutely. I was like, hey, uh, on me. I'll take you out to Chico's Tacos. Yeah. And I put it out on Twitter, and she retweeted it. So that tweet got, like, crazy views and crazy interactions and everything. And I was like, oh, crap. That's pretty cool. A couple weeks later, when WWE was supposed to fly into town on that Saturday morning, I wake up because I was going to go like the fan I am to go get Mm -hmm. autographs. And she DMs me. It's like, hey, which is the Chico Tacos that Eddie used to go to? I was like, so I shoot her the address. I was like, hey, let me know if I can tag along too. I'll, I'll take you guys. Take you out. I was like, yeah, Kalispa and myself want to go out and hit. I was like, oh, oh crap. All right, sure. So yeah. I, I was like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Harry. It's like, oh, yeah. She mentions, uh, I mentioned you. It's like, yeah, cool. everything. Uh, we don't know if gym first or gonna go eat but i'll message you i was mm-hmm. like all right so she signed a couple of pictures that a friend of mine reina varro took at wrestlemania and that was it i was looking to get more autographs from other wrestlers and then she messages me on twitter she's like hey we're going to chico's tacos want to roll i'm like of course let's yeah. go so we go to chico's tacos they didn't know that it was cash only so uh-huh. i was like hey guys don't worry i got you guys Absolutely. Oh, thank yeah. you. So it was like cool. Paid for for their lunch. Yeah. Talked with them for like forty minutes there. Uh, it was real cool. A friend of mine hooked them up with a gym where they would be able to go and work out free. Yeah. And then um, it was like, hey, if you guys want to go, there's a Eddie Guerrero mural out here in El Paso. Just let me know. Shoot me a message. Yeah. And they went over to the gym and they texted me. It's like, hey, we'll be done in like thirty minutes. Want to take us to the mural? I'm like, absolutely. So. Took them to the Eddie Guerrero mural, took them up to Scenic Drive. Mm-hmm. And it was like a cool memory, but that what you what we were talking about is like, hey, celebrities are just human beings like all of us. Yeah. So it's like instead of treating them like, oh my god, oh my god, hey, here, let's take a picture or here, let's do this, let's do that. It's like, hey, just it's like, hey, I can take you guys to Eddie's mural, I can take you to Scenic Drive, wanna go to Chico's Tacos. It's like, don't do it like uh so my I had the advantage that Cincara talk with them about me. It's yeah. like, hey, he, he's a cool guy. He's a good friend of mine. He won't be the creepy person taking video of you guys while you're having breakfast. Yeah. So it's like, hey, he's cool. So I had that backing that is like, hey, he won't be that fanboy. So it was pretty cool. That's awesome. my biggest wrestling story from El Paso. That Dang. Sasha Banks was pretty cool. Kalisto was pretty cool. And uh, it was it was a great time. That's incredible. That's uh, and and the fact that you bring that up, you know, I I, I talk a lot about uh, the Latino Heat. I mean, Eddie Guerrero is my favorite favorite wrestler of all time. Um, you know, many people. Oh, there we go. See, we get talk about him. Uh, many people will not know this, but the logo on 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 my uh, on my podcast, um, there's a flame. There's an outline of the flame. That outline is actually, when I talk to my graphic designer, is the outline of the iconic flame on Eddie Guerrero's trunks. 
or not trunks, uh, pants. Uh, I'm like, okay, my logo, I want it to be a little bit about me. And I'm like, okay, how can I include Latino heat? Fire. Okay, but it just can't be any fire. And I looked at everything and then I saw it. <gasps> this is how I can pay just a little bit, just a hint. Because I don't want this podcast to only be about wrestling, you know, 10 episodes and we're only talking about wrestling. But I'm like, I still want to pay homage to my favorite wrestler of all time. So I put that flame on there. Like I said, many people will not get it. But when you look at it, oh, that is, it's just, it's just half of the flame. Because obviously a flame is, is, is a whole, but it's just, it's, um, this one's a half of flame. And uh, so, yeah, that, that is, uh, at the end of the day, the fact that you told that story and knowing how big of an Eddie Guerrero fan I am, I do appreciate that. So now we, we, we talk about Las Vegas, from El Paso to Las Vegas, how I met you. So I know that you did Telemundo, again, uh, sports and Telemundo here in, in Las Vegas. So we transition uh, now to Las Vegas. The way that I met you was, again, at, at a soccer game. And I knew you as Harry, the guy from the YouTube video. So you interviewed at the, at the time being under Telemundo, uh, we had uh, a Lucha Expo here in Las Vegas. It was supposed to be a very big event, which it was. Uh, and you interviewed probably the most famous Lucha, uh, luchador in the US, probably even Mexico um, of this time. And that is Rey Mysterio. I was gonna call him Junior because that's his, has, that's his original name, but it's Mysterio. Uh, and you and he talked about I don't know how it came about, but he talked about uh, Eddie Guerrero and then bringing back the Latino World Order, which is a very very popular staple back in the WCW era of pretty much predominantly Latinos. And he mentioned that he would love to bring it, uh, make it a possibility in WWE. And he mentioned he name dropped a lot of Mexican wrestlers. Uh, but this clip, whether he name dropped or not, the fact that he said I would love to bring it back was picked up by literally every wrestling dirt sheet. Um, uh, and the way that I saw it was through a YouTube video under WrestleTalk. They mentioned yeah. it, and I'm like- Ollie Davis. Ollie Davis. Uh, he mentioned it, and he said, from Las Vegas. And you know, he even joked, he's like, I have no idea what they're talking about. But from the translation, he said he wanted to bring the LWO, and it blew up. You know, like Twitter, uh, wrestling on Twitter is big. And when something blows up and you, you, you're part of that scene, that, you know, every scene has, has, is big in its own way. The one that I know is wrestling. So when that story came out, oh my God, my Twitter feed was all about the Latino world order is coming. It, it might happen. It might happen. And uh, so when I first met you, you're Harry from the YouTube. I could have said you're Harry from Telemundo. Nope. I said from the YouTube video, he's like, are you talking about the one on Russell Talk? Yes. Uh, and that's how I think that's how you and I one connected. And instantly it was like, this guy loves sports. He likes wrestling. Uh, and, I, and I always joke like, ah, you know, old school people who don't know about wrestling. Oh, isn't that, what's that wrestling stuff? But you're the wrestling guy. And that's how, you know, you and I became uh, pretty good friends. With that transition to Las Vegas, there's more access to celebrities and athletes. I mean, we have everything here from the NFL draft, or I think we were supposed to have the NFL draft, but we have an NHL draft. We have a NASCAR. Uh, when celebrities come, you know, when celebrities win their championship games, what do they do? They usually fly out to Vegas. How is that transition? Because now you're exposed to even more celebrities, even more athletes. How was that? Was it a huge transition? What, were you, okay, I'm really not trying to fanboy, but it's getting a little bit difficult. Nuts. When you're in the position was in, you get used to it. So yeah. it's like, I remember um, like Canelo fight. I met the kid when he was uh, maybe a year or two years into his professional career. Mm -hmm. And we were both literally kids. I might've been 19 years old and he, him 18 or 20 and 19, something like that. Yeah. Interviewed him and in Mazatlan, where yeah. I was there to cover a Christian Mijares fight, and he was there because he was a boxer, and there was a boxing fight that weekend. So I remember interviewing him, cool kid, and then we went out to have lunch, and in a mall, we like we went to the food court, and everybody went to their own little place to pick up the food mm -hmm. and eat. 
So I remember we all went to pick up our food and the poor kid signed autographs the whole time. Like signed autographs, took pictures. By the time everybody had finished eating, someone just bought his food. He's like, want to eat it? He's like, no, I'll eat it in the car. So it's like, I remember that Canelo. Out here, it was a little yeah. bit more difficult. The promotion, the Golden Boy promotions was a little pain in the you know what. Yeah. Uh, when he came up to person in person interview with him, I interviewed him via satellite, him and Gennady Golovkin. But it's okay. like, it's pretty cool being able to say that I did that. But uh, at the same time, it's just like, hey, you know what? It's just whatever. I remember when Mayweather and McGregor were going to fight. Mm-hmm. Mayweather's my favorite boxer. So. Because I, so here's another fun little tidbit. The first ever gambling that I did was betting money on Oscar De La Hoya being Floyd Mayweather. Because Oscar was a Mexican guy because he was people. And I did that in Mexico when I was 18. And I bet on Oscar De La Hoya and I saw Mayweather beat him. So I was like, what, I'm never going to bet against this guy ever again because he beat me on my bet. Yeah. And I never bet against Mayweather, and I only admired everything that he did. And I was like, you know what? I like Mayweather. And I interviewed oh, him that. I remember interviewing him in his gym. Everybody crammed up. It was me and Vince Hopkins from Fox 5. We had a chance to do the interview with uh, both of us in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, damn, that's a great moment. And then the Showtime photographer got a great picture of, like, she was on top of the ring, and we were in the bottom doing the interview. So she took a picture yeah. from the top of us interviewing Mayweather, but Mayweather looking me straight in the eyes and me with the microphone looking at him. And I was like, that picture for me, I have it in the office. That's like, that's a great moment of, I made it. But but at the same time, I couldn't be like, hey, Floyd, huge fan, man. Congrats on everything you've done. It's like, no, you got to make the interview to report on the story of potentially the biggest uh, fight to happen uh pay-per-view wise or box office wise and yeah it's like hey you gotta stay straight and be like at the end i'm like crap i just interviewed floyd but it's like it's just a thing that's part of your job that you can't go like hey you know what just cool if someone took a picture cool but i'm not gonna take out my phone and be like hey floyd selfie yeah so so it's like, yeah, definitely out here in Vegas, there's way more opportunities. NHL draft, I interviewed Wayne Gretzky that day. And for me, I was, I'm was i not a hockey fan. But yeah. for me, I was like, I know who Gretzky is. Yeah. Crap, I'm already changing his name. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Uh, he's the greatest hockey player ever. So being able to interview him and ask him, it was right before the Golden Knights started. Yeah. What he thought Vegas would bring, uh, hockey would bring to Vegas and Vegas to hockey. Being able to ask him questions, it was like, Damn, that's amazing. So it's like you said, Vegas brings more opportunities, same time, more pressure, uh, a little bit of everything. But yeah, Vegas is a great, great city to work in sports. Absolutely. And I think that you got to understand what Vegas can bring and, and it can either make you or break you. And, and because any, you, you ask the right questions and if it's picked up by other people because you just happen to ask the right question that either people have wanted to know or they give you an answer that they have not given other people it will be picked up by other news outlets and and i think that's exactly what happened with the wrestling example that i used uh was that ever uh did that ever happen again to you here in vegas with with someone else uh in in the sports realm i don't think that something like that blew up as big as uh Ray Mysterio, because yeah. we'll be honest, Ray Mysterio and the wrestling and everything coming together, like you said, all the wrestling community picks up. And that was a one-on-one interview. Yeah. Everything else, it's like practically all the medias do the interview at the same time. So yeah. everybody gets the quotes, everybody gets the video, everybody gets like, I, I was able to cover Mayweather's open training, mm-hmm. able to cover uh, McGregor's open training, Golden Knights practices, uh, press conferences and everything, but it's at the same time it's harder to get those one-on-one opportunities because uh, stat, uh, athletes of that stature they're going to give it to the ESPNs of the world. They're going to give it to the big athletes. It's like you know what? How many followers do you have? Um, Two million. Okay, I'll do the interview with you because it's going to have bigger exposure and TV. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's a dying business, but it's not as big as it used to be in the past where. Yeah. 
of course, me have me being able to say back then, oh, I'm with the Mundo, and here's my email that is at NBCUni.com. Yeah. Uh, it opens. It definitely opens doors to be able to cover big events. But then you have to like get those relationships to build and become bigger, like I did in Mexico, like I did in El Paso, where mm. when Sincara came into town with WWE, I took Sincara into the studio, and that was like, crap, Sincara's here. That's pretty dope. Or yeah. When May, uh, Canelo fought uh, Chavez Jr., yeah, there's this guy uh, in the undercard, the second to last fight of the of the night. It was David Lemieux versus a Mexican guy called Marco Dorado Reyes. Yeah, who I had met in Mexico tons of years back, but we were still Facebook friends. And I was like, "Hey, you're fighting in out here? Hey, dude, let me know." Or, and I also covered one of his fights in El Paso. Yeah, it's like, "Hey, man, w- want to come into the studio?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." So. Went, picked him up at the MGM, took him to the studio. We did a cool one-on-one interview. And it's like, hey, this guy's going to be fighting in the Canelo card. So it's like, it's not Canelo, but it's the guy fighting right before Canelo that we yeah. had here in the studio. And that was only built through relationships that lasted uh, tons of years. And like that, I took other personalities. And it's like, hey, you nothing blew up like the Rey Mysterio tweet, but it was pretty cool being able to do other things like i'll bring up the mayweather it was big Mm -hmm. for me and on my social media i asked him i had just interviewed his uh see the ceo of mayweather promotions uh leonard ellerby and he told me it's like yeah man we already sold uh i want to say 60 million dollars worth of tickets and i was like oh crap that's pretty good but then you went on to Ticketmaster, and you saw that there were still like eight thousand tickets available for the fight yeah and i interviewed i asked mayweather something along the lines of hey man uh, the gate has already done $60 million. And what does this mean to the potential of this fight being the highest grossing fight in boxing? Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, you know what? I like you. You know what's going on. But you're letting them say that uh, the tickets aren't selling, right? But hey, you know, you did your homework. You know what's going on. And I was like, that crap for Mayweather to point me out and tell me that. Yeah. It was like big. And then I posted on my Instagram and my mm-hmm. friends are like, dude, that's so awesome. That's amazing. It didn't go viral. Yeah. But within my friends, I was like, hey, they look at it and it's like, dude, that's really cool. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just being one recognized or <laughs> acknowledged, I think that's the most important thing. You're just not another reporter or another announcer. Um, no, that's incredible. So, you know, what, what, what is your next power move? I know right now you're working, you're working, I, uh, I call it IMC, Integrated Marketing Communications, if I'm correct, um, with, with the, the Las Vegas team here. But what what would be the next major move that you would want to do, whether it's with soccer, whether it's with sports related? Is there something that you're like, I've done everything so far, but there's still that one thing. Have you, what's that one thing so far? We completely honest. Mm-hmm. This job I have right now is a dream job. I never dreamt with. It was wow. like, I work hard, but every day I come back home happy. Oh, which okay. I can't say at the other job I had out here in Vegas where I was going home and I was going to be frustrated. And I was mm-hmm. like, I want to leave town. I'm not happy here yeah. with the job. I currently, I might work some days, like you said, 15, 16 hours. Yeah. But the moment I get home, I'm happy. So I don't want to say I'm like very, very like, uh, this is the job I'm going to have the rest of my life. Yeah. But for right now I'm happy. And that's the most important part I've learned of, working in the, in the sports business for over 10 years it's like find that place that makes you happy yeah and enjoy it enjoy it while you have it like in the back of my mind uh i'm like hey you know what maybe i can do the transition into english tv which a former boss has been asking me to do it for over like four years yeah but i'm like you know what? i enjoy spanish on air i enjoy that different guy from somebody else like uh Jaime Harin, who's a Spanish announcer for the Dodgers, he does a huge sign, the speaking vessel, kiss that ball goodbye when it hits a home. Yeah. I integrated that to my Spanish announcing with, with UTEP uh, when a running back is going himself, and you can see he's going to score the touchdown in the 30 mm-hmm. yard line. I would start saying, Se va, se va, se va, y despidanlo con un beso. Like, oh, yes. So, so it was like, I have fun doing this in Spanish. So yeah. I don't know what's for me. I don't know what move is, what power move is going to come. But right now, 
I feel like this is the job I'm meant to be in the same way as mm -hmm. in 2008. I was meant to be in TV, even though I was uh, searching for it. Yeah. That's the same way right now. I'm like, I wasn't looking to be into soccer. One day when I was going to start hunting, I got a call from the owner of the soccer team. He's like, yeah, hey, I want to bring you aboard. I was like, whoa, what? And like, things happen for a reason and they've happened in a way that have, have me very blessed. So right now I'll say I'm good. The future, you never know. Maybe it's a transition to English. Maybe it's a big sports network in Spanish. Maybe it's mm -hmm. opening something up myself. I don't yeah. know. And that, I'm not playing anything right now because I'm happy. Oh, that's the most important thing. Being happy. You know, at the end of the day, uh, one, it, it's, it's, the fact that you can say that I'm, I, and I, and I got this from, from a movie, I think it was called Crazy Rich Asians, where the mom said, passion doesn't pay the bills. But in your case, your, your passion has become your, your livelihood. Your passion has become not only an amazing career, but it, at the end of the day, it pays the bills. And that's, a, that's the best, I think that's the best of both worlds. You know, you, from the start, you weren't, you did not know that you were going to be in this, in this field of, of reporting, especially sports, but it's, but also you recognize your talent. You love sports and you won. And kind of before we even started recording, I said, at the end of the day, you can love to talk. It doesn't mean you're good at it. I think you knew that you won. You love to talk about sports and you're good at it. Um, that's the most important thing because you love something doesn't that unfortunately i know it hurt it but doesn't mean that everyone is good at it uh but before we end man i want to know a little bit about you so you're i can see it just by looking at you one you're a huge dodger fan uh with with uh so with the whole covid thing uh how's that how has that affected the dodgers in your life because i mean there's no baseball how, i mean what was something that you were looking forward to that unfortunately is not going to happen Bro, it's so frustrating right now. I find myself watching clips on YouTube <laughs> every single day that I'm on my phone and then a video comes up. The best yesterday I was watching the best outfield outs that have happened of guys throwing the ball from the outfield into third base or second yeah. base or home and saw some amazing clips of Yasiel who he played for when he was with mm -hmm. like Getting a guy out on third base. Uh, so he went out to make an out on left field, and he didn't catch the ball. went off the wall. He picked it up, and this Rockies player was running the third. He just pressed it. Bam. The ball was placed perfectly, and I was like, dang, I miss that part of baseball. So yeah. my job, I would day, at, on days, I would intentionally just get super late because I was like, okay, the game starts at 7-10. And that means I got of having the baseball game on one screen and the other screen, I'm going to be working. Yeah. So instead of just being at home watching the baseball game, I'm going to be watching the baseball game, but still getting some work in. Yeah. I remember the day that the Dodgers got eliminated from the playoffs last year. We were outside yeah. in the stadium with, uh, who was it? Uh, crap, I forgot. I forgot his name. He's going to kill me. Uh, it's Joaquin. Oh, yes. We were out, out in the stadium with Joaquin, and I was so frustrated, so pissed off. And I just went out of the – left the locker room through the locker room. Yeah. And then I looked up, and you and Joaquin are there. And me, I'm so pissed off with everything in life. My rent, my uh, pants rip with the bike rack that was there. Yes. I was so like, ah. And, and then that was the elimination I, with the Astros, right? No. no. The Nationals last year. Ah, okay. National League Divisional Series. We were up, I think, 3-0, and we ended up losing 7-3 in extra innings. Oh, okay. With Howie Kendrick hitting a grand slam. I still, still brings the pain back to my heart. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I was just like, okay, let's do this. Clayton Kershaw's healthy. Walker Bueller's going to kill it. Mm -hmm. We got Mookie Betts. David Price might be decent. Justin Turner's going to have a badass year. Cody Bellinger is the MVP. Yeah. Uh, I was just excited for everyone. It's like we're going to have a new uh, Will Smith with his first season as our full-time catcher. Yeah. We didn't end up trading Jock Peterson to the Angels, so we'll keep him and he'll, keep, he'll hit, hit 30 bombs. 
I was like so excited to do everything, and then bam, everything shut down. I was like, God damn. So going back to the previous question, what's your next power move? Yeah. I remember I'll name drop someone right here. Yeah. Uh, George, George Lopez. One day I'm talking with him, and yeah. he tells me it's like, hey man, I'm gonna put a good word in with you with the Dodgers and. Jaime Harin, whenever he retires, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be doing the play-by-play in Spanish for the Dodgers. And in the bottom of my heart, uh-huh. I would love to do it. Who wouldn't for their favorite team? Yeah. You think with the Raiders who are out here in Vegas in our backyard, uh-huh. it'll work for them. But then I think those are my escapes. I go to Dodger Stadium, and I go as a fan. People are like, my friends are like, dude, you know if you request a credential, you're probably going to get it, right? I'm like, yeah, I know that. Uh-huh. But that means I can't root. That means I can't go and buy a Dodger dog. That means I can't just stay stand yeah. and enjoy the game. Or the Raiders. Heck, last yeah. year I went to two games and it was like the best time ever. I tell this story. I wake up at 6 a.m. when I'm in Oakland. Or, well, I used to be not there anymore. Yeah. 6 a.m. And then I was in the parking lot by 7.30. They open up at 8. And I'm already uh, having some... Uh, be out there having a good time walking from one tailgate to the other one parking lot to the other seeing friends and having a good time so these leaders doctors which are games that i go to they're my escape from like here the lights are playing and i if i'm writing the story from home i get excited when junior burgos scores a goal from 40 feet out yeah from 40 yards out sorry 40 feet is kind of easy 40 yards out I scream and I'm excited, but I'm at the stadium and they score a goal. And what I'm doing is that I'm writing my story. I'm checking posts on social media. I'm busy. It's work. It's what I'm getting paid for. So, uh, heck, I keep rambling. Um, What did the Dodgers mean? I was super excited. I hope I wait for them to play again. Hopefully it's with fans in the stands. If it's closed doors. It is what it is. We're yeah. still the best team in baseball, and we're going to win the World Series this year. Hey, hey, okay, okay. You know, sometimes you got to put it out in the in the in the universe, as as the hipsters would say nowadays. Oh, just put it out in the universe. It's going to happen. Heck, yeah. dude, you want to you want to hear putting it out in the universe? Uh-huh. I have a jersey. I probably have it in my storage unit now. Mm. I custom made it, and in 2014, I was so sure we were going to win the World Series. Yeah. So I put the number 14. And yeah. instead of a name, I put our year on it. Like, this is our year. Yeah. And, yeah, we made it to the playoffs, and then we lost in the playoffs. And I was like, oh, oh so close. So but close. But since then, we've been winning seven division championships in a row, yeah. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and still haven't been able to win that big one. But oh. one of these days, it's going to happen. One of these days. Absolutely. It's one of these days. One of these days. Hey, man. But you know what? You know, I, I do want to thank you for, for, for coming on today, man. It really means a lot. Uh, so, you know, sometimes we got to make the best of, out of our situation. Um, and so we have to go remote due to, to uh, COVID-19. But no, I do appreciate, man, everything that you taking the time to share your story with me and, and for those that listen. Um, is there, before we end, man, do, is there anything that you want to plug in your social, your social media, people can watch or see a little history about you? Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Harry Ruiz and on Instagram at Harry underscore Ruiz. That's where I don't, I have so people have been, uh, talking to me about it. I was like, you don't post much anymore. I'm like, I know because I'm busy with work, Yeah, but, uh, you can go back and see a lot of the things I've done. Maybe I'll, yeah. I'll, now when the episode comes out, I'll quote yeah. tweet that tweet from when I went out out on the news about the Sasha Bank stuff. I'll quote yeah. that. But uh, yeah, no, definitely. Hopefully, we can do this in person sometime in a couple of months. And I just want to say, I'm really lucky to be your friend. You're a really cool guy, and that's what I always be appreciative to wrestling, dude. Because like DJ Ocho is a good friend. Yeah. Why? Because one day we go into a meeting with the lights uh, in a. It's a closed door game. Yeah. We were going to use like if it were a game. So I was there, a PA announcer. Ocho was there like the DJ. We had an yeah. MC who didn't end up staying. They did the production meeting and I'm wearing a, no, no. So I was right out of Telemundo. So I finished the newscast and ran over to the stadium. Yeah. And saw his background in his, in his phone. It's a WWE championship. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You like wrestling? He's like, yeah, dude, I love wrestling. So I take out my phone. And show him a picture with Ric Flair. And then he shows me a picture of him with Randy Orton. And then I show him a picture 
with Sasha Banks and then he shows me a picture and then we just start exchanging pictures like, hey, you yeah. know what, this guy likes wrestling. That's cool. Absolutely. Great, great friendship comes out of that. I had another friend, Asif, same thing. I met him at a wrestling show out here in Vegas. You know yeah. Asif, you met him yeah. a couple of times too. Uh, Gustavo, wrestling show and you, yeah. we met at the soccer game but at the same time we had that wrestling connection yeah. and it's like, hey, you know what? Wrestling brought us together so hopefully we, we're back uh and do another show and talk a little bit more wrestling in person. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, man, I want to thank you for your time. And I, I, I'm really excited to share this story because, um, you know, I, I've come to realize that the demographic is, is those that are maybe around college and or having my last episode, you know, having like a, not like a life crisis, but it's one of those where, I don't know, you know, like I have a great job, but I'm not really happy. And, and this is a, a, a different turn where it's like I have a job and I love it. And this is why. So, you know, like I said, I'm, uh, my goal is just to share everyone's story um, of successes and failures. Uh, and I'm so happy that you, that you took the time to, to come out here, man. Um, but before we head out, you know, I just want to say thank you to everyone that is listening. Um, you can check us out on Apple, Google, and Spotify. If you want to watch what you hear with, if you want to watch with your eyes, what you hear with your ears, you can check us out on YouTube. Uh, the link is down below. Again, thank you so much for watching. Oh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Real Spicy Podcast. Uh, but again, thank you so much for watching, guys. On that, I'm out.